Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Oh, man, come on. We just had, like, fire worship. Can we do a little better than that? How are we doing? Beaches Chapel. Come on now. Oh, goodness. It's good to be here with everyone this morning. Uh, I wanted to add one more announcement, and you're going to be hearing some more details in the next couple weeks as we unfold this more. But I wanted to let everyone know now, so you can be praying now for what we're going to be doing, which is on September 7th, which I'm going to say right now, I know is Labor Day, okay? I know that. We are aware, okay? But starting on um, September 7th, running through the 27th of September, we are going to be doing a church-wide prayer and fast um, because we need it. <laughs> I mean, throw a dart, right, at why we need to be praying and fasting right now, whether it's our country, our families, our finances, our health, Beaches Chapel Church, all of it. Um, and so we have decided that's what we're going to do, to combat everything that is going on in our lives personally, everything that is going on in the world. Uh, we're going to be doing what we've been preaching and talking about, and that's bringing the fight to Jesus. And so starting on uh, September 7th, that's a Monday, through the 27th, we're going to be doing a prayer and a fast. And normally when we've done these in the past, we have a, every morning, at least five days a week, prayer time in here. We're not going to do that this year. We are going to have a time of prayer once a week and then an evening deal also. And again, we'll give you those details as, as they unfold further. But this is the reason why. Because at Beaches Chapel, we reach, we teach, and we send. All right, we reach people for Jesus, we teach people about Jesus, and then we send everyone out to do the same thing. Because the church is not in these four walls. It is out there. It is in your home. It is at your workplace. It is everywhere you go. It is everywhere that we go because we are the church. And so my heart for this time of prayer and fasting that we're going to be doing is that you grab hold of it and make it your own. Not because we're hosting a morning deal, but you make it yours in your home. Get up early with your spouse or by yourself or call someone on the phone. Whatever you have to do, meet them, but make it yours. Because it can't just be the few pastors and the elders here leading everybody else. Y'all got to take ownership of this. And I mean that because we have some things that are coming here in this church and in our families. But it's going to take all of us buying in as a body and as one family equally leading this charge. Amen. Amen. So that's going to be September 7th. And again, you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks and emails and our chapel chats and all that good stuff. Um, we're going to be continuing this morning on our discussion on living by faith, not by sight. And I've really enjoyed this uh, kind of pop-up series. I say that because I wasn't necessarily planning on it being a whole series, but God's just kind of been throwing it out there. Uh, because I think we're still learning what this really means. And it's not just a one or even two week uh, lesson. This is something that we have to really hammer home. And we've looked at the story of the 12 spies that went and spied out the promised land. And 10 of them said, uh, there's giants in the land. We can't do it. And then Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it, you know, and let's go fight. This is the land that God has given us. And then last week, we looked in Ezekiel 37 at the Valley of Dry Bones and talked about that. And we're really looking at some kind of outlandish things in the Bible, things that we would normally look at and say, this doesn't make any sense. And we're going to continue that theme today. And we're going to start, though, with setting up some context this morning. I'm all about context in the Bible. Like, if you can, you know, you got to be careful of people that just pick out one little verse and then quote it, you know, and just kind of use it, you know, to their own agenda. And you always need to understand what is going on around that verse and around that story. 
I think one, it helps us understand, but it just brings everything to life again too. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're actually going to read the whole chapter of Joshua chapter 4. And, and, and understand what is going on here with the Israelites as they are about to enter into the promised land. So join with me in reading Joshua chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, Take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up the stone and carry it on your shoulder. 12 stones in all. So it sounds like it's a pretty big stone they're carrying if they have to put it on their shoulder, right? One for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 6. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. And so what we have here, and again, let's just try our best to have a mental picture of what's going on. We have all the Israelites who are crossing the Jordan on dry ground. Sounds a lot like the Red Sea, right? They're all, uh, a miracle is happening in the midst of all that's going on. The waters are being held back so the Israelites can cross over the Jordan. And the Lord has told Joshua, take tw- you know, 12 men from the tribes, pick up a stone, and we're going to build a memorial for me. And this memorial is to remind you and your children that the, the water stopped, that the water stopped when the ark was in the river. And what does that tell us? It tells us that God is more powerful than anything on this earth. God is more powerful than anything on this earth. And so that is what God is reminding them as they're about to go into this promised land. And we'll see why in just a minute. Let's keep reading. It says, These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel. Verse 8. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. The priests who were carrying the Ark stood in the middle of the river until all of the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua were carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed. I don't blame them. And when everyone was safely on the other side, the, pre- the priests crossed over with the ark of the Lord as the people watched. Okay, do you notice a theme that's going on here in these few verses? It's, it's a theme of complete obedience. All right, let's look back. If you look in verse 8, so the men did as Joshua had commanded them. Going on in verse 8, they did just as the Lord had told Joshua. Verse 10, the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua. There's this, there's this just almost blind obedience. Okay, Lord, you told me to do this. Okay, I'm going to do it. Oh, Joshua, you told me to do this. Okay, I'm going to do it. Joshua, Moses told me to do this. Okay, I'm going to do it. There's this theme of obedience. And with the obedience comes this reverence for God. And we touched on this last week. We talked about this, how in order to have revival, we have to have reverence for God. And one way that we show reverence for God is when he tells us to do something, we do it. We do it. Obedience is a great form and a sign of reverence to God. And I want to ask us all a question this morning. Write this in your notes. Is our faith, is your faith, is my faith leading me to obedience? Does my faith look like obedience? 
Or is it just faith without any works? So when God says, hey, go do this, we say, but God, I fill in the blank. But God, I dot, dot, dot. That seems weird. That's, that, that boulder's too heavy. What happens if the water starts flowing again and I drown? All sorts of excuses. Or if we just say, okay, because you told me to, because you're God, and I revere you as such. Let me say this really quick, too, before we keep going. When we obey, when we do the things that God has called us to do, he will hold the water back. He will hold the water back. And so we don't need to, as was, was spoken and prayed over at the end of our worship, we don't need to let fear creep in. Because the darkness trembles at Jesus' name, not the other way around. And so let's not let fear creep in and look at the waters. We need to understand that obedience holds the water back. Verse 12, the armed warriors from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh led the Israelites across the Jordan just as Moses had directed. These armed men, about 40,000 strong, were ready for battle, and the Lord was with them as they crossed over to the plains of Jericho. What a sight that must have been. That day the Lord made Joshua a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. And for the rest of his life, they revered him as much as they had revered Moses. This is a big deal, okay? This is a huge deal. Moses was it. He was the bar. He was the guy. Even so much as in the New Testament, when Jesus is debating with the Pharisees over who he is, Moses is, is in the discussion, and so when the Bible says that God made Joshua as revered as Moses, that's a big deal. So now Joshua has been elevated in the midst of God's people to the very top. There's nowhere else that Joshua can go in the physical, in the natural, that is higher than where he is at in this moment. And that is important to know as we continue to discuss Joshua. Verse 13 or 15, excuse me. The Lord said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the riverbed. So Joshua gave the command. There you go. Do it? Okay, I'll do it. As soon as the priest carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came up out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. The people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal just east of Jericho. It was at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. Come on. And so you might fear the Lord your God forever. Come on. But what is happening here is, is, an, is an amazing holy moment. You know, we, we hear all sorts of talk and read about how the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years out of Egypt, waiting to go into the promised land. And it's happening in this story. There is a transfer from the wilderness to the promised land. This is a big moment. It's a big moment. And what do they do in this moment? Joshua gets it right. He builds not one memorial, but two. He builds one on the land, right, with those 12 big stones that they carried on their shoulders out of the river onto the dry ground. And he says this. He says, we're going to do this 
We're doing this so that you can tell your children about today. So that you can tell your children about what just happened. So I want to give us two points on how we can have trust in the Lord. Because we need it. The first one is through remembrance. And we see that right here with these two memorials. As they're stepping onto this dry ground and they build this one, it's to remember what God has done. And I want to say this to everyone in this room, everybody that is watching online. Write down your testimonies. Write them down. Because there are going to be days when you forget. Listen, my oldest daughter is, is almost eight years old. That's not very old. But I have forgotten so much about what's going on in her life. Jesse looked back, oh, remember when she wore this and she did this and that and the other? I'm like, no, I don't. That's in my head. And, and, you know, I'm actually saying, yeah, I remember. That was great. I'm just as good a parent as you. I remember everything about our kids just like you do. And in my head, I'm going, I don't remember that at all. I should have written that down. And people always said that you need to write down it. When they do something, write it down, write it down. I'm like, yeah, I'll remember. It's so cute. How can I possibly forget this most adorable moment of my child? I forgot. And we forget. It is amazing how God can do a miracle, a miracle in our lives. And we will forget about it. Either that or we'll disqualify it in some way when we look back on it. Oh, well, that was because of this or that. That can't possibly be like this that I'm going through now. But if we read our own words, if we build a memorial for that miracle, we can go back and read it and say, no, God moved then. And now I can trust in him to move again now. And that is what Joshua did here. And what he, what he understood and what God knew was that when they were going into the promised land, this was not a club med, all right? There was not tiki torches on the beach and like dudes playing kettle drums, like welcome with like coconut drinks and umbrella straws and all that good stuff. Well, welcome to the promised land, baby. You made it. The promised land was a place of battle. It was a place of battle. But how they fought was with obedience, not with weapons. And we'll see that in a little bit. They fought with obedience. And when we fight with obedience, God does the fighting for us. But we have to be obedient, y'all. We have to be obedient. I want to say this too. Parents in the room. Whether you have, you're, you're a parent of a 50-year-old or a 5-year-old. Brag on God to your kids. Tell them what he's done in your life. Joshua is saying, I'm not building this memorial for us. I'm building it for your children so that they can continue on the work. That's why we do have a school here. That's why we do invest in these kids because they're the ones that are going to carry on the work. We got to tell them. We got to tell them about Jesus and the amazing things that he's done in our life. Look, Revelation says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the words of the tes our testimony. So that's what we do. We brag on God. We build memorials in our, with our words and we let our kids know. And if you don't have any kids, find a friend. Tell your spouse over and over, whoever it is, a coworker. 
Let's start building memorials for God no matter wherever we're at. A lot of times people will use it against us, too, in a good way. We'll start complaining. I thought you said blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's right, I did. <laughs> Guess I should probably stand on that, right? So how else do we build trust in the Lord? Well, I already kind of gave it away. The second one is through obedience. What I love about Joshua in this moment, right, is God has made him just like Moses. Moses is gone, and he's revered. And this could be, for Joshua, the temptation, a very, I'm the captain now, right? Like, I'm in the driver's seat. This is my ship to sail. And I, even though Moses told me to do it like this, he's not here, so I'm gonna, I think I have, I have a better way of doing it than him. So I'm in charge now. But we don't see that. Moses told him to do it this way. Moses is gone, and Joshua says, I'm going to do it this way. That's humility, and that's obedience. And that's how we gain trust in God. Look, how we, it doesn't just come. We got we to gotta put him at his word. We got to take that step and be obedient, just like all of them were in this story. We would save ourselves so much trouble if we just did what God told us to do. We would save ourselves so much trouble and so much time if we lived like we really believed that God was fully in control and capable of everything and stop trying to put ourselves on his level. Stop trying to think that we know as much or even maybe even more than him. Say, God, that's, that's one way to do it, but I'm going to think I'm going to do it this way because that looks better to me. Save ourselves a whole lot of trouble. Okay, so now let's skip down to the bottom of Joshua chapter 5. This is towards the end of, uh, actually it is the end of, this, of the next chapter. Starting in verse 13. It says, When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? I love this answer. Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Remember, Joshua has been elevated to Moses' status. And he sees this guy and what it becomes, what he realizes is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God. Standing before him in his immediate reaction after having this huge promotion is to fall on his face before God. And let us all know and hear this, that none of us are ever in a place of status where we are above kneeling before our God. Ever. And when I, when I see this in Joshua... Man, that's what I want. I want my first inclination when I'm in the presence of God is to drop on my knees in reverence for him. And then he goes on to say, he calls himself what? Servant. He, Joshua gets it. Why do you think God promoted him? Because he gets it. He's in the presence of God. He says, I'm your servant. He doesn't say, oh, come on. This is one of the perks of the gig? Awesome. Let's kick up. Let's talk. Let's chat. Let's hang out. 
you, you must want to talk to me now that I'm head of the Israelites, right? And, I just, and we're about to go into the promised land. Moses is gone. It's me. It's my turn. It sounds silly. But we kind of do that from time to time, don't we, with the Lord? Like, oh, man, I've just earned this, and now I've, you know, I'm boys. No. No, we're servants. And we do just as we are told. We do just what we are told. And let me say this. Obedience is not a sign of weakness. It is a requirement for greatness. We look at obedience like it's this submissive thing where I grovel at the feet of God. And it's not. Obedience is not weakness. That's what the devil tries to tell us so that we can't be great. Because the second that we're obedient to God and we fall on our knees and we say, I am your servant, I'll do whatever you want, then he starts working through us and all God does is great things. That's all he does. And so if he's working through us, then it leads to greatness. And so all these things that we are hoping for and praying for and just crying out to God for, it's prayer and it's obedience to him. And then he starts moving. That's why we're doing this fast in this prayer. So we can get on our knees before God and say, what would you have me do? I am your servant. You are God. I'll do whatever you tell me. We always want God to do something, but first God wants us to be something. We're asking for God to do all sorts of things in our lives, and we should, but know first that he is creating a work in you to be somebody before he does something. I read this, this uh, quote in a, in a, in a uh, commentary this week, and I don't, I don't know who it's from, so I apologize uh, for that, but it says this, it says, before Israel could conquer anything else in the promised land, they had to be conquered by God. And Joshua's total submission shows that they, had con- uh, they are conquered by him. Here we go. This is the missing element in a life of victory for many Christians. They have not been and are not continually being conquered by God. That's a challenge. So you want God to do things. God, I want to pray to you over and over this. But then when God calls us to to do something, we're not obedient. We're not obedient. And I'm as guilty as anyone else in the room. And I believe in the time that we are in, in the world right now, the church is being called to be obedient to him in a way like never before. And then he will start doing great things in and through us. But we have to let God conquer us fully and completely. Fully and completely first. All right, here's where it gets fun. Joshua 6, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. Okay. As the Israelites are going in, this is the battle of Jericho. They're about to fight and take this part of the promised land. They have to do it first. What we read here is that Jericho is actually afraid of them. You knew that? Jericho is afraid of them. And this is one of those moments that we all are in from time to time where it looks really good. And so we're going to deviate from God's plan and what he's told us to do and stop being obedient because we see, oh, they're afraid. Let's just go. 
We got our 40,000 armed troops. We got our weapons. They're sharp. We're ready to go. They're afraid of us. They're on a good old lockdown, right? Old Testament lockdown, <laughs> right? Can you relate, brothers and sisters? <clears throat> this isn't the first lockdown. Jericho was in a lockdown, and they were afraid. They were afraid of the Israelites coming. I love that, but they didn't deviate from God's plan. Verse 2, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. All right, it's over. The first thing he says to Joshua when they see Jericho and they're afraid, he says, hey, it's done. Okay, it's done. I've given it to you. I've given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Yeah, right, okay. Amen, whatever. If that was me, I'd be like, that's stupid. You want us to walk. That's our battle strategy. I mean, we, we, you, if you're familiar with it, you might know the end. And so we could say, amen, that's awesome. But if it's me and I'm there, I'm going, Joshua, you had some bad pizza. We got to come up with a better plan. Because the last time I checked, those were strong walls. And shouting is stupid. It's not going to do anything. Like, I mean, come on, let's really be practical about this. This plan makes no sense in the natural. It doesn't make any sense. You want us to walk around these fortified walls. Remember two weeks ago when we talked about the spies that went and spied out the land, they talked about these walls. And they said they were tall and they were strong. And now here they are. And our plan, after everything we've been through in the wilderness, 40 years, our military plan is to go for a walk? Come on. And there are going to be times in all of our lives when God says, go for a walk. Are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Even though in our eyes, it makes no sense whatsoever. This military strategy had, well, it had no military strategy. This plan, what it had was total and utter dependence on God. That's all it was. It was saying, are you dependent on me to do this? Because other, in any other shape or form, it made no sense whatsoever. Let's keep going in verse 8. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns, and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Here's where it gets interesting. Verse 10. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Okay, so day one. Silence, right? They're walking, and nobody is talking. And here's what I, this, this is just what I think, okay? This is James's interpretation. I think day one was probably pretty tough. Because not talking for however long, it, let's just say it was an hour, all right? However long it was, that's a long time to not say anything. 
And, I, you know, there's always that person. Hey, let's play the silent game. Okay, pfft, I'm out. <laughs> right? Like, there's always those people. And so there was probably those people back then, too, because you know what? People haven't changed. And there was people that could not just resist, you know? And as they're walking around, their walls up. Remember, people on lockdown, they're probably looking out the windows at them. They're going, they're looking at us, man. This is weird. This is stupid. What are we doing? You know, there, there may have, there, but no one did. They were all quiet. And I think they got back to camp that night. And again, this is just me. They were like, that was cool. You know why? Because those, those uh, people in Jericho who were on lockdown, who were staring out the window, were probably, I think they might have started yelling at them a little bit. You know, kind of, kind of jabbing them here and there, saying, oh, what are you doing out there? You're stupid, you know, whatever, you know, heckling them or whatever, throwing little pebbles at them or who knows what. And they didn't budge. They just kept looking forward and they didn't say a word. So not only were the uh, people in Jericho afraid of them, but now they're like, these people are creepy. All right. And once, once something's creepy, like it gets in your head. All right. I mean, we've had, mo- uh, listen, the only thing kind of scarier than like loud noise is nothing, right? Nothing at all. You ever go in the woods and you're camping and it's quiet? You're like, we're going to die because it is quiet. Quiet is scary. It's like, you know, when, when we're, we're sleep training our youngest daughter right now, and it's like, we're going to get to that point where all of a sudden she is sleeping through the night and then that's going to keep us up because she's not crying anymore. So it's quiet. She's quiet. Something's wrong. Quiet can be creepy. And I think the people in Jericho started to get really get freaked out. And I think, that, I think, I think the Israelites loved it. Like, I can't wait to do that tomorrow. We're going to freak them out again. And we're going to walk silent again. And as every day went by, this, there was this silent crescendo happening in their hearts and in their minds of what God was going to do until they got to that seventh day. And I think it was awesome. And what an amazing thing. All of a sudden, this confidence and this trust started to grow in the Lord because they were being obedient. They were doing what he said. And every day, even though there was no noise coming, it was growing in them. It was growing in their hearts. It was growing in their mind. And their expectation was getting more and more and more and more, all in silence. (laughs) That's awesome. And here's what happens. Verse 15, on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Verse 20, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. And the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Can you imagine six days of silence? And on that seventh day, on the seventh trip, just... "Ah!" From just a a whole, I mean, thousands and thousands of people. And then what happens? The walls come crumbling down and they run in. And they take the land that God had given them. All because... They were obedient. Can you imagine if one person in those first six days had talked? Just one. It would have, it's gone. It's over. 
All six days and on that seventh, they remained obedient to what God had called them to do. And when it was time, when he gave the green light, they shouted as loud as they could and they took the land. When I was... uh, at home last Sunday after church. If you weren't here last Sunday, it was, it was an amazing service. God was, God was moving. And um, I had the rarest of rare things happen to me where I was home, not by myself. Ellie was with me, but she was asleep upstairs taking a nap. And it was just me in the house. Jesse had taken our other two girls to a birthday party, like left from here and went straight there. And um, so I was home and it was quiet, like on a Sunday, which just never happens, ever. And I almost didn't know what to do with myself because I was still kind of on this, like, you know, high of, of church and everything. And so I, I just started to reflect on what just happened, you know. And, and if I'm being honest with you all, I, I got kind of emotional, you know. And, and just it was, you know, when, when God moves and you're a part of it, it doesn't matter if, you know, if you're on the stage, if you're in the last row, you're watching online. It doesn't matter. It's a humbling thing. It's so humbling. And... And, I'm, and I was just asking, okay, God, like, that was great. But, but what now? You know, and that was really my, my question to him. Like, where do we go from here? What do we do with what you just did? And it, there was just this burden of we got to do more. We got to press in more. And not on Sunday mornings even. But our walk with the Lord is a seven-day-a-week walk with the Lord. It is out there. It is in your home. And that's why for this prayer and the fast, we're, we're, we're putting it on everybody in here and everybody watching online. Make this yours. We see this story here. It was a seven day a week thing. And I believe God is calling us to be more. And I'm gonna have the band come up as we close. And I, I just wanna say this. We, we have to be more than a Sunday only church. We have to be more than that. We have to be more than that. We, we sang this song we're going to sing again as we close this morning called Champion. There's a line in there that says, when I open up my mouth, every wall comes crashing down. But there's a work that's done before that. Like there was a work that was done before they shouted when the walls came down. There was six days of preparation before that. There was six days of marching and keeping their mouths shut, and trusting in the Lord, and being obedient to what he said. There was two chapters before that, when they were taking the stones out, and they were building the memorial to God, remembering what he had done, not forgetting. There was reverence with Joshua. You see, all this stuff is happening before the walls come down. We just want to read about the seventh day and the shouting. We just want to see the walls come crumbling down. But there's so much stuff that lead up to that moment that allow them to shout as loud as they can. And until we walk with full reverence in God, where when he says, go do this, we say, okay. When it comes time to shout, we're not going to shout. We're going to go, he's calling us to shout as loud as we can. But there is a work that has to be done before that. But, but when we do that work and it's time to shout, walls will come crashing down. Miracles 
will start breaking out. But I want to say this. I want to say this. I believe there is a lot of us. I think all of us come to this moment in our walk with Jesus where we want to be saved by him, obviously. And we, we love him. We want to love him. But we're not quite sure about following him. We're not quite sure about really giving our entire lives over to Jesus and saying, here it is. This is yours. I'm going to now follow you. And if you tell me to walk around a town or a city in silence, I'm going to do it. And if you tell me to pick up a boulder off a riverbed, I'm going to do it because I'm following you. If you remember when Jesus called Matthew, one of his disciples, he didn't say, Matthew, love me. He didn't say, Matthew, let me save you. He said, Matthew, follow me. And that is what he is calling us all to in a greater measure is to follow him. Because once we start following him, we can't help but fall in love with him. Because we see how good he is. Here's what we need to understand in all of this. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. When we start following Jesus, when we start giving him our life and being obedient at the drop of a hat, things get better. Things get better. And I think we can all admit that we don't know all the answers, that we've failed when we've tried to do it on our own. And so this whole bowing the knee and, and falling on our face like Joshua did is not a, a matter of torture. It's giving him our life so God can make it better. Everything about it, better. Your job, better. Your marriage, better. Your children, better. Your finances, better. Your health, better. All of it, all of it. Our, but it has to be our whole life. It has to be our whole life. I'm going to close with this verse. Matthew 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any one of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what, you, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul, is anything worth more than your soul? God is calling us, y'all. He's calling us not to have an awesome Sunday experience. We get those because God is faithful and he shows up because he's God. And when we cry out, the spirit moves and we have amazing services. Thank you, Jesus. But there is so much more than that where the rubber meets the road is out there. And I want to just say really quick to those that are watching online in their homes and those that are sitting in here right now and you have just been balking at giving it all to Jesus. Maybe for the first time you're kind of, you're putting one foot in and one foot's out. You're like, God, I, I believe in you and I believe you're my savior, but this whole Lord thing, I don't really know about. Or some of us it's just continue putting on your heart over and over again. And for whatever reason, 
You're just procrastinating. I'll do that tomorrow, God. I'll do it when I find time, when things aren't as busy. Come on. Let's not wait because the waters, the waters are standing up and I believe God wants us to get to that other side so they can start flowing and God's going to move in a mighty way. He's going to move, but it takes all of us and it takes all those six days of doing what he's called us to do. Will you do it? Will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and let him give you life to the full? Let him take away those things that you hide in shame with guilt. Let him have it so that he can make you new. Let's stand up as we close this morning. I want to pray. I want to pray first for those that haven't received Jesus. You know, when God says, pick up your cross and follow me, he's saying, follow me to my promised land. Follow me and I'll give you this life. He wants to do that. He's calling after you to follow after him. So just let go. Let go of control. This could be your moment right now. And for, for everybody else that's received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what else is he calling you to? Remember, he wants to do great things in and through you. And obedience is not a sign of weakness. It's a requirement for greatness. So I'll just take this moment. Just for those of you that want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, here's your opportunity. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe. Be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. It's that simple. Lord, we love you. God, we love you. And we're sorry, Father. We, for, we repent. We, we repent of those times that you've called us to do something and out of fear or doubt. We just haven't. We said no. Maybe not verbally, but with our actions, we say no. God, I believe that you have great things in store, but you want to do a work in us. You want us to be something first in order to do the great work. So forgive us when we get that backwards. When we say, God, if you just do this, then we'll be this. When you're saying, no, I want you to be this, and then I'll do this. So God, help us. And God, I pray that that day of shouting is coming. The day of shouting is coming in Jesus' name. But there is a work to do first. And God, you are, you are speaking to our hearts and speaking to our minds, God. And this isn't just individually, Lord. This is us as a family. And that day of shouting is coming, God. And we are going to see the walls come crashing down. The walls around our hearts. The walls that we've built around us. God, the walls in our lives. And we're going to see miracles, God. We're going to see miracles in Jesus' name. If we just get on our faces before you and say, I'm your servant. What would you have me do? Help us to get to that place, God. Every day of the week, not just Sunday. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we love you, God. Let's worship.